What's up? What's up? What's up? This is your wine diva, Tierra. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really appreciate it. If you are loving the content that you are getting, please subscribe and invite your friends. Leave a happy comment and show some love. Hey, hey, it is Tiara, aka T, your wine diva. And I have an awesome special guest here today, Miss Whitney Adams. And we're going to talk some wine and some fun and have a good time. So, Whitney, um, would you mind kind of introducing yourself, talking a little bit about yourself uh, for those who might not know who you are? Sure. Um, I have a YouTube channel called the Whitney A Channel. And I. Uh, talk about wine, cocktails, and travel, and life, but I started out um, about 10 years ago, or a little bit more than that, I left the world of acting for what I thought would be a brief hiatus, and followed my love and passion for food and wine, and one thing led to another, and I kind of just never looked back, and became a sommelier and started working in wine retail, started doing wine freelance writing, had a blog, a podcast, um, and then the inevitable kind of next step was YouTube and getting back in front of the camera, which I always loved, so kind of combining my two passions. And now I'm kind of into the next phase of my career uh, and life, um, so it's like a transitional period now, but... Um, yeah, but wine's been a huge part of my life for most of my adult years, um, <laughs> which is cool, which is kind of cool. Not a lot of people can say that, um, and I think people are always interested to hear more about, like, how to make wine, like, your job. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so I somehow managed to do that <laughs> for a while. That's yeah. awesome. Um, very interesting. I love it because I kind of have a similar background where I'm a theater major was an, an actor and I still pursue acting, but wine yeah. became like a really cool way for me to make income a little bit more steady income than like the acting world. And it just kind of like turned into this blending of things of talents as you, as it were, um, which I think is kind of cool. Cause like for those who don't know, when I started making my content and, and learning more about wine, I actually went to your YouTube channel and was, like, learning wine from you, basically. Uh, and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, wow. I want to be like Whitney. Like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to make wine so much more fun and approachable. And I loved how how fun you made it. Because I there's so many times where I would look try to look up wine and um, it, it felt very stiff and 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 stuffy and yeah. not like very a very open space but I just loved your approach and so what kind of what gave you the idea of starting to create content about wine well I wanted some sort of creative outlet I think once I stopped acting and going on auditions taking class and things like that I moved to LA from New York to try to get into TV and um when I decided to take a break from that and I was working in restaurants, once I decided to go down the wine path more seriously and get certified and study more, and um, I wanted a way to, you know, still have an artistic outlet. And I love taking pictures. 
so it really started with my blog. I had always been interested in photography and I just had a new subject matter now. And so I was photographing wine, thinking of new ways to kind of talk about it at that time. You know, this was like 2008. Um, at that time, there were food blogs were definitely a thing at that point, but any wine sites were more clinical and more, um, kind of textbook. Um, they weren't as lifestyle oriented Mm -hmm. and I felt like there was something missing there. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, what about people that want to look at beautiful photos and have more personality injected into the experience? Because for me, wine wasn't just, um, you know, uh, something written on a page or in a serious tasting. It was more contextual and more about uh, how you would enjoy it with who, whom you would enjoy it with, um, the stories behind the wine, the winemakers themselves. That was more interesting to me than just like trying to figure out which like red fruit it tasted like mm-hmm. or you know or whatever and because wine is so subjective too it, oh, it yes. is, it's hard to get into more kind of clinical tasting notes when everybody's perceptions of certain things are different and if you kind of can talk about wine from a different angle then I feel like it's more um, engaging with your audience and they can kind of understand it in a different way so that was always where I came from when in trying to figure out how I wanted to talk about wine and because I, I never felt, I always felt like an outsider, honestly, um, in the wine world. Mm -hmm. I, because I came into it in my late twenties, um, mid to late twenties. And, you know, now people are getting into wine when they're like in college. Like when I was in college, I was drinking like Natty Light. Exactly. Um, I'm totally with you. Yeah, I did not even like wine, understand wine. I didn't know what a vintage was. I didn't know anything. So, um, you know, nowadays it's a totally different thing. But uh, so I was kind of, you know, at that time, everybody was older than me in the, in the, the, that were wine professionals. And I kind of always felt like I was just faking it, like, you know, fake it till we make it. But, <laughs> um, and I was in rooms with people where I felt like, Oh, you definitely don't belong here, but we're just going to pretend like we do. And, um, so I think that kind of outsider mentality, I always felt like I was uh, better equipped to maybe speak about wine to just like regular people and, um, people that, you know, are just starting out. And so, yeah, so then once I, you know, I was doing my blog, I went to live in Italy for like three months. I got fired from my job as a general manager and wine director of a restaurant, like my first wine gig, mm-hmm. um, for various reasons, not many having to do with my abilities or talent. <laughs> I think it was more of like a personality clash and the owner of the restaurant wanting to do the wine program himself and, mm-hmm. and other things. But I, um, it was kind of a blessing in disguise. So in going to live in Italy, um, you know, I was like, I want to become a psalm and I felt like blogs, I wanted to do more than just blogging. And so I started to, I had a podcast called the crush with one of my best friends, Christina, who was also on a similar path, but she was in London and we'd both gone to theater school together and both fallen in love with wine separately, um, in totally different countries. And, uh, so that was really fun. And I think it was just a continuation of trying to find new and different ways to talk about wine that weren't boring as fuck. So (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, it's just like, how can this be like fun? And, you know, we had this whole thing 
where in the world is Carmen Great Diego, where, you know, throughout the whole episode of each podcast, we would give clues about, you know, a, a region in the world, a winemaking region in the world about where Carmen Great Diego uh, might be. Uh, and uh, so just stuff like that, where I always wanted to have something a little tongue in cheek, a little humorous uh, about wine and that carried through to, you know, more recent years with my YouTube channel, uh, always trying to, to frame wine in a more approachable way. I love that. So what was like, okay, I want to do wine. Like where did, when did that happen? And like, what was the impetus for it? Well, I was, I had left, I was, when I first moved to LA, I was auditioning a lot in class. I was hostessing at this really hot spot, trendy Beverly Hills restaurant. It's a Wolfgang Puck restaurant called Cut. And at the time, it was like the gold. I started working there when it first opened, and it was like the golden era of this restaurant. It still is, you know, busy a lot. But mm. this was, I'm talking like every single celebrity known to man I have like met. <laughs> like <laughs> They have walked through the doors. I have taken them to their table. I have talked to their agents, managers, assistants on the phone. Like, you just name a person. I'll be like, yep, okay. Like, I know what kind of steak they like. But so this was a very exciting time. Um, and... This is when you'd still get palms, like handshakes of, with lots of money to get tables. It's like a totally different <laughs> um, world uh, than exists now. But um, there was a wine director at that restaurant, restaurant named Dana Farner. And I would watch her work the room, and she would even do these tastings uh, during, um, like, kind of when we're all setting up for dinner service. She would have... Uh, either some staff members or some of her wine friends come do blind tastings or they would taste a certain region and because they were studying for their master psalm exam. And I think at the time they were actually all studying for their advanced level. But um, and I thought, well, what is this whole thing? I just really didn't know much about the world of psalms or wine service. Um you know, I'm from Kentucky, like, even though I had lived in New York and been to nice restaurants, like, it just wasn't, like, a part of my day-to-day kind of even thought process. I didn't really yeah. think about wine much. But moving to California, being closer to wine country, going up to Santa Barbara, like, doing tastings, it all kind of happened at the same time, seeing Dana on the floor and realizing, oh, that's a job that's really kind of baller she's handling like thousand like bottles that are worth thousands of dollars and this like really fancy clientele and people that want to spend money on wine and then she's like studying for this like cool exam and so once I saw that I was like huh maybe I I didn't I, I didn't spark yet but that was just like the seed I think and when I decided to take a break from acting I got a job GMing at a restaurant, uh, an Italian restaurant in Hollywood. And through various circumstances, we got our wine license. We had hired a wine person to come build the initial list. He was fired. And then the, the owner was like, Whitney, you have like a talent for wine. Like just, you're a natural, like I want you to take over the list. And that was another instance of me just faking it until I made it. And I just <laughs> took the leap and, you know, I, I loved the course, the studying when we were studying with the initial list with our, with our very first wine director. And I just had like, 
I don't know. It just seemed like a good fit. I, I just got it. Something just clicked. And I loved hearing about the stories behind wine and especially Italian wine. That's how I got my start. And I'm endlessly fascinated by Italian wine because there's so many regions within Italy and each region has its own native grape varieties. So it's really, really diverse. Um, I think it has a, a lot more personality than maybe French wine. And that's, uh, some people would think that that was horrible that I just said that. <laughs> uh, I love, I love, I love Italian wine, wine, but Italian wine just has so much personality and uh, so much variety. So um, kind of beginning my wine education and journey through Italian wine um, just made a lot of sense to me because I knew the food so well. And that's where it all began, honestly. So it was Italian wine and just getting an opportunity that I couldn't say no to. That's awesome. It's kind of funny, like, because you're talking about Italy, and Italy is where I learned <laughs> that I liked wine. <laughs> so I'm awesome. loving, I'm loving the similarities. Um, so for someone that's looking to get into wine, what what tips would you per- say that like would you give for someone that wants to get into wine? I mean, just dive right in. Like, there is no right or wrong way to do it. I think just let your curiosity lead you to resources, information, finding the voices in wine that you really um, are drawn to um, the most, and um, read, study, taste. I think the most important thing is just tasting all the time. That is, you know, and luckily I have I've worked in places and had jobs where it was my job to taste a lot. So I was able to just have that at my disposal. Um, I really found that, you know, I worked always in tandem in restaurants and in retail. And I really liked that combination because I feel like it gave me a really well-rounded understanding of wine from different, like, you know, from the point of view of a sales rep or an an importer, um, but also the way people want to um, enjoy wine or learn about wine in a dining setting, and also in just like taking a bottle of home, a bottle home to enjoy there, and how the experience to sell that wine is um, it's a different process. But I got to learn so much you know, working at Domain LA, which is a wine shop um, here in LA. Um, I worked there for six years and so I really got to know a lot of different reps, distributors, importers, and, um, and in restaurants I was focused more on Italian wine, but, um, so I think it's kind of just like following what interests you most. And for me in the beginning, that was Italian wine and then it went into natural wine for me. And then, um, you know, and just to not be afraid to not know things. Mm-hmm. There are people that have been working in the wine business for decades and still don't know like a certain grape variety or a certain importer or, or whatever. So don't be afraid or intimidated by your lack of knowledge on certain things. It's a vast, vast, um, you know, the wine, the world of wine is like endless and vast. So don't be intimidated by that. You just, you have to start somewhere though. True, true, very true. So for someone who is maybe looking to get into like freelance wine writing or blogging, do you think, one, do you think the market is oversaturated and there's like too many people already doing it? Um, 
no, because I mean, would you say that about food? I mean, I feel like there's, there's all, everybody's voice is different. Mm -hmm. It's definitely way more saturated than it was 10 years ago when I started. But, um, like every single person's different, you know, there's nobody else, there's no one else like you. So, you know, everyone's kind of take on wine and the way that they present that information is going to be different. So just go for it. I, I do have to say that with freelance writing, it is a grind. It's difficult. It does not pay well. <laughs> and that's why I stopped. Honestly, I started getting more opportunities, um, producing content, um, working with brands and, and working on YouTube. That, that was where I found, I was able to make more money. Uh, freelance writing was always something I did because of relationships I had with editors and, uh, because it was fun. Uh, but if you're trying to do that full time, you gotta be really dedicated. You have to have a lot of connections and, you know, have really good pitches, but especially in the wine world, it has a lot to do with who, you know, mm -hmm. and, and your relationships. Cause it's a small kind of niche world. Um, and, you know, you have to separate yourself from the pack and figure out a way to, um, you know, get people to, to look at what you're doing. For sure. For sure. And to get people to look at, like, can we talk a little bit about YouTube? How do you really build a, a, a thriving channel? Well, you just have to be consistent. That's the most important thing. Even when you have like 100 subscribers in the beginning, you just have to keep doing it. You know, I started my channel, I haven't posted regularly at much at all this year. I've been taking a little bit of a break to kind of figure out what kind of content I want to do moving forward and be a lot more thoughtful about that. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, you know, I came up with kind of like, okay, these are the next 10 videos I want to do, you know, and kind of incorporate different series. Let's do like a wine 101 type of thing. Let's cover wine glasses. Let's cover like how to open wine like a pro, um, how to, you know, just touch on all the basics to begin with. And I just, I posted every single week, um, for a while, like, I, I can't believe I did that, honestly. Then I kind of started going to every two weeks. But um, I did for every week for a, a long time. <laughs> and then people just start showing up. And it's just the algorithm with YouTube. Like, the more you're posting stuff that is getting sh – that's showing up in search results, and people are clicking on it, and basically Google or YouTube is classifying you as, like, an expert in a certain field, then you're going to be – people are going to keep finding you. So it was a little bit of that. And then also getting people to collab with. So I got a lot of, uh, subscribers in the beginning because I collabed with this guy named tipsy bartender mm -hmm. who had, you know, has millions of subscribers. So it's kind of being strategic in that way of collaborating with YouTubers that have more followers than you doing a video on their channel. Maybe they do a video on yours and then you get some of their audience so obviously people that like booze are going to be watching Tipsy Bartender. So probably right. you'll have some people that like wine and that will end up coming over to your channel because they like what you're doing too. Or you might end up getting some viewers that wouldn't necessarily subscribe to a wine channel, but they just like your personality. So I think I always wanted to just showcase my personality, you know, be funny, have good production quality. That was really important to me as well, because I think visually to have the sound right, to have the visuals right, um, the editing um, well done, that I think has to be a part of the package now. People are really sophisticated with how they're doing YouTube nowadays. I mean, that's if you're a more um, kind of professional channel and you're not doing vlogs and mm -hmm. you're not just like, 
um, a YouTuber that does like challenges every video or, um, you know, that's a different type of thing. But when you're kind of coming at it and with an expertise, I think to have a little bit more of a polished look is important. That, I mean, for me it was, and that really has stood out and reasons why I got a lot of sponsored content because brands liked the way my stuff looked and they could, you know, do a product placement or I could do, um, like produced and kind of come up creatively like an interesting uh, concept for the brand for like a fraction of the cost of them paying like a big ad company to right. do something. Uh, so, so yeah, so I think it's just about being consistent, showing up, doing it and having an organic growth of your audience and in combination with getting other people with bigger audiences, um, kind of like stealing some of their, their people too. <laughs> I love that. So and doing and and collaborating with other people, what do you find is the best way to kind of reach out and then like kind of from both sides? Because like obviously I reached out to you and and asked you to come on my podcast. What when you were reaching out to people to collab, what kind of how did you go about that? And then from the someone's asking you to collab, can you speak on what makes you want to collab with that person that's asking you? Okay. Yeah, sure. So if I want to reach out, I mean, I just do an email. Uh, I try to figure out sometimes if, if we have any friends in common, um, or I might ask a friend that had collabed with that person previously, like, Hey, do you have their email or do can you, um, email them, CC me on it and do like a little E intro, um, just to kind of, so they'll pay attention to my request. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the time if I was just cold emailing, you know, I would, just link my channel, um, maybe highlight a couple of the videos that I had done, um, that I would want them to get eyeballs on first to just get a better idea of what I'm about. And that would be a good representation of that. Um, and then come up and have like a couple ideas already in the, in the intro email of like, I think it'd be fun if we collabed on this type of video. Um, so then, because when you're requesting a collab, like that person that you're like, they don't want to have to do any of the work that you want. They like, they want you to come with an idea that would be a good fit for their channel. And then so it doesn't have to be so complicated or, or difficult for them to figure it out. And then you go, they're like, Oh yeah, sure. That sounds easy. That sounds fun. Let's do it. And sometimes we would film, um, you know, like with their people or their camera at their location, or, um, we would film at my place with my people. Like it just depends. I think it's different with every single one, but, um, and then if people write me to collab, it's just a matter of like, do I have time? Is it, is it something that it's like, you know, help someone else grow their channel, grow their business? Um, you know, cause I've had podcasts, I've had a few podcasts and, you know, I'm always grateful when somebody, um, gives is generous with their time and can help me out. So, yeah. you know, I, it's, it's, it's not that hard to just be like, yes, let's do it. Why not? You know, but there's definitely been times when I've maybe said no. Um, if it was just like really like a weird fit, it's, you know, if it was just totally off base or like, I'm like, I don't get why you'd want to do this or if they were asking too much of me or something like that. It's rare that I would say no to like a collaboration of some sort. Right. If, yeah. You know, if it was involving wine or, something similar to what I was doing. Fair enough. That but makes I'm not everybody. There's a lot of people that <laughs> I mean, I've definitely had people not respond to me. So that's okay. 
like I'm not taking it personally. Right. They're busy. So like it's cool. And I might try a second time a few months later and I might actually get a different response. But sometimes I still get the same one, which is nothing. Uh, and then you just move on to the next thing and just keep on trying, keep on brainstorming, keep on hustling. Like it's the endless hustle. For sure. For sure. So are you doing any acting right now? Yeah. So I basically, um, this whole year has been about me getting back into acting. Um, I have been doing a lot of commercial auditions. Um, and I signed with an agent earlier this year. And, um, so that's been fun to approach it in a totally different way, which is more of just like a fun, like, not everything is riding on this because when I, I was, I just took everything so seriously when I was in my twenties and, you know, it was just like, if I don't get this, I'm a complete failure. And now it's just a lot more fun and low pressure. So, um, that's been great and really interesting. And I've also been producing a lot more. So, um, in producing for my own channel, I realized, Oh, I really, I kind of like, I'm good at this and I like it. And so it's just another avenue where I can kind of creatively go down and, um, and learn and, um, and grow in that way. So I, I've been producing, um, and developing a TV show, which we've been taking out with meetings the past few weeks. And it's not, it's an unscripted show and I'm not in it. I would just be executive producing, but, um, so that's, yeah, it's, it's wild, but I feel like, you know, I'm almost 40, I'm 38 years old. So it's like, I've lived many lifetimes at this point, I feel like, and if any, if I've learned anything, it's that it's never too late to start something. Um, and because, you know, when I got into wine, I was like 27. And at that time I thought I was old. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Oh my God, you're like almost 30. Like you're too old to like start something new. And (laughs) um thank god I just went ahead and did it anyway because it it brought so much to my life and gave me so many opportunities and helped me kind of find my way back to some of my original passions and you know so I'm so grateful for that but I think it's all about just following your intuition and and just going for it life's too short and that sounds so cliche but it's so true like do you want regrets no, that that feels awful. And so it's like, just go for it. I've heard so many people, which is, I mean, not to like, it's like, this isn't like a humble brag, but I get a lot of emails from people that have said, you know, I listened to your podcast back in the day, or I read your blog, or I saw your YouTube and it inspired me to have a career in wine, which is like the most amazing thing that I never would have thought, like when I was first starting out and, um, falling in love with wine and trying to make that my career. I never would have thought in a million fucking years that I would have gotten an email like that. Um, you know, 10 years later, like, Oh, you know, because of you, like I, I thought it was possible for me to like maybe have a, a career in wine. And now I'm like working at this restaurant or now I'm working at this wine shop or whatever. So it's pretty rad. Um, yeah. So all that to say, you know, just go for it. It's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Like, I think it's super important for people to kind of find what they love. And like you said, just go for it. So, so often people are like, well, I got to like stick to the nine to five grind and worry uh-huh. about like bills and finances and all that jazz. But which you have to do. Yeah. I, mean, I, I had to as well. I've always had like side gigs, you know, and there's all, it's like, but when you're trying to do your own thing, you're working 
all day. I mean, it never ends. And, Mm -hmm. but the fun thing is, is like when you're working on your passion project, it doesn't really feel like work. And so it's like, I always say to people, keep your nine to five. I mean, keep the job that's paying the bills, but then just take a few hours of each day to invest in yourself and your passions. And then eventually, like I went freelance completely, um, in like 2016. Mm Mm-hmm. I, or maybe 2017, maybe 2016, I can't remember, but I, you know, I quit my, my day job working at a wine shop and then I was wine consulting. I quit that and just slowly one by one stopped. And it was really scary in the beginning. I thought, well, shit, like, hope I don't have to come crawling back to any of these jobs. Right, right. Like six months being like, can you hire me back? Um, but I think when you have that sense of urgency, um, like lights a fire under your ass to mm-hmm. be like, well, got to figure something out. And it, and it makes you push harder. For sure. For sure. So what are some, um, side jobs you would recommend for anyone that's wanting to work in wine and kind of also be creative and create something on their own? I think it totally has to do with, with each individual person. I mean, I like, I've done every type of job imaginable. I've been a personal assistant, a real estate agent, a dog walker. I worked in an ice cream shop. Um, Let me think of anything. Like 50,000 things. (laughs) So it just depends on like where you live, what your interests are. Um, And, and when I was starting on wine, all of my side jobs were all wine related. Mm -hmm. I worked at, um, I worked at a restaurant and I worked at two different wine shops and I had a blog and a podcast. So I had like five things going and then I started freelance writing around the same time too. So six things. So I was getting six like income from like different, it's just about kind of like making sure you have a lot of different income streams. Yes, of course. (laughs) And it doesn't matter what that is, but I felt like for me, if it was all related to wine, then, um, then I would move, I would move forward faster. I would get to where I wanted to go quicker because, um, I was out in the wine world and people were getting to know who I was and I was meeting everyone, winemakers. I would be invited on trips, um, press trips. Um, it was just about like getting out there and networking. And, um, when you're doing that all within the same field, then you're going to see kind of momentum a lot quicker. Oh yeah, totally. And with the world of wine, there's so many options now. I mean, if, you know, you can go the media side of things or you can do more straight service and work in restaurants. Um, or you can do retail, um, or you can work on the distribution side and do sales and be a wine rep, which is very flexible for a lot of people, but, um, but it can also be a little bit of a grind and you're having to like drive all over the place or travel all over the place and, um, and try to get people to buy wine. And sometimes they don't want to buy anything and you're just getting like a percentage and (laughs) it's like, you know, it just really depends, but there's a lot of different options now for people in wine than there were before. Awesome. Love it. So thank you so much for your time. Was there anything else that you wanted to share before we hop off? I don't think so. I mean, I pretty much covered a lot. I'm sure people are sick of hearing about me by now, so uh, I'll probably just edit there. (laughs) But thank you for your time. And, you know, I wish you the best of luck as well. Thank you so much, Whitney. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening. If you want more me, your girl T, please follow me on my other social media outlets. The links are in the description of this podcast. And as always, if you want a little wine time with your girl, please visit www.winedivatiera.com and shop your sips.